Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 84, and I'm drinking Highland Park Magnus Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. With each episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose Highland Park Magnus for this episode because, to be honest, this week I've been kind of snowed in. I've gotten snow where I live, and I really didn't feel like braving the roads to hit the local liquor store. So I've been revisiting some bottles I already have on hand. This particular bottle of Highland Park Magnus is part of a tasting I participated in on the I Effing Love Whiskey show back in October of 2020. This show is hosted by Andrew Pierce and Joseph Limbaugh. I'll provide a link to the YouTube of the episode in show notes. Check it out. It's a fun show. They're still doing it currently. I've been a guest twice now. It's fun. Anyway, this bottle was selected by Andrew for the tasting within the parameters that I was looking to spend about 50 bucks a bottle for four bottles I could get in Oregon, and these four bottles had to match something that Andrew already had on hand. Andrew lives in California. Also, like most Scotch whiskey brands, Highland Park produces a number of expressions, but I'll use this bottle of Magnus to tell the story of the brand. So this bottle I'm using for the tasting, I have enjoyed already. It's been opened. It's Highland Park Magnus, 750 milliliters, 40%, alcohol by volume, making it 80 proof, and it retails for about $40 to $45. Notably, Highland Park Magnus is only available in North America. The bottle is black glass, and it's the distinctive Highland Park design, being a rather flat bottle front to back with a flared base that goes up to a gently rounded shoulder and a slightly bulging neck topped by a real cork stopper. Interesting thing about the stopper is it just goes straight in and out, but it turns maybe an eighth of a turn. It's got a tiny little bit of thread on it, which is rather nice to know that you've secured it once you've opened it. The glass mold includes the Highland Park logo icon of a stylized H within an irregular triangle. It's front and center on the bottom of the front of the bottle. Above this is a simple silver, gray, and white label with the highly stylized letter M, made from snakes and dragons, perhaps. It's a theme Highland Park uses on other expressions, though this is the only M standing for Magnus. Below the M is the text Highland Park Magnus Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, 40% ABV, product of Scotland, 750 milliliters. The back label reads, Highland Park Magnus, unapologetically bold, smoky, and undeniably Orcadian. This single malt bears the soul of our Viking ancestors and the name of just one, our founder, Magnus Unsen. Enjoy a whiskey crafted in the old way by a new generation of Vikings. Social media icons, URL, and legalese follow. Okay, let's give it a try. No real dramatic first bottle opening pop, but I think it'll still pop. Yeah, nice. So I am tasting with a clean Glen Karen. It's a whiskey nosing glass, perfect for seeing a spirit, nosing a spirit, and tasting a spirit. Let's go for a pour. bit much. I over poured that. <laughs> I actually unfortunately spilled some of that. Oh, that's a shame. Um, yeah. 
Uh, the smell of scotch whiskey is definitely in the air. Um, first time I've actually over poured and spilled. I think because this bottle has been opened and the fact that it's opaque, I don't really have any idea how much is left. And so I didn't have a good sense of how much it was going to pour. No matter, I have a rather healthy pour. So let's give it a nose. Hmm. On the nose, it's peaty, a little sweet, smoky. I get a sense of wetness and like a mossy forest where there's a campfire off to the side and you get some of that smoke lingering around. The thing I've found with whiskey and scotch in particular is it invites flowery language, just vocabulary with that odor object metaphor to describe what it is that we're smelling and then tasting. More so, I think, than with other categories of spirits. I get a hint of orchard fruit coming through as well. There's peat in this. It's a peated scotch whiskey. You'll hear about that more. And without further delay, let's go for a taste. It has a bit of a bite, and there's an astringency that comes from it. But it's very smoky. Well, not, not overly smoky, but it's smoky. It's a very pleasant scotch whiskey flavor with some peat, a little astringency. Yeah, it's quite nice. I mean, it's not overly peated. For the sake of argument, I'll read you what the brand says the tasting notes are for this Highland Park Magnus. They say that it is a complex balance of lemon, vanilla sponge cake, and caramelized pineapple overlaid with our distinctive, heather-rich, aromatic peat smoke. I almost forgot to mention how it looks in the glass. It's a light golden amber color. Now on to the history. Highland Park is famously founded by Magnus Unsen, for which this spirit is named. The location was on one of 70-odd islands in the northern part of Scotland, the archipelago of Orkney, windswept without many, if any, trees, where the Atlantic Ocean meets the North Sea. This setting is where Magnus reportedly had the profession of a preacher of some sort, though his main vocation seems to have been as an illicit whiskey distiller and or smuggler. Some accounts I read purport that he worked in the church as a means to cover his covert activities. In 1798, he was caught by the law. As a smuggler, Magnus seems to have been rather clever, and there's a tale referenced in Alfred Barnard's seminal and valuable book, Whiskey Distilleries of the United Kingdom, published in 1887, that recounts a time when Magnus got wind of the excisemen, the law, coming to search the church where he normally stored his illicit liquor. And so he moved the barrels to his home in an empty room, covered them in a white sheet and a coffin lid, got some friends, and gathered round with religious texts. And when the deflated law arrived at his home to search it, the group began to pray as if there'd been a death and the dearly departed were under the white sheet. Someone reportedly whispered to the excisemen, smallpox, and they promptly left. This must have been prior to 1798 when Magnus was caught, but it seems the penalty wasn't harsh at all. The charges were apparently dropped, something to do with missing evidence. 
Afterwards, he went straight, becoming a legal distiller, founding what would become Highland Park on the site of the High Park near the island's capital of Kirkwall, and named as such to distinguish it from the lower-lying areas. It's not meant to be confused with the Scottish Highlands, a different part of the country entirely. High Park was selected for the exceptional water source. For 15 years, things seemed to go along just fine for Magnus until in 1813, a group of investors, always referred to as a syndicate for whatever reason in the references I've reviewed, but the syndicate purchased the High Park estate and the distillery. The syndicate included the arresting officer and another excise man who first busted Magnus. Highland Park, as the name, was bestowed upon the distillery in 1818. It wasn't until 1826 when it was recorded that Highland Park received an official license to distill whiskey. Times were different then, it seems. Jump ahead to 1876 and the firm of Stewart and McKay buy the lot. Around this time, Highland Park whiskey is well regarded as an essential ingredient in many popular whiskey blends. For most of the distillery's 220 plus years, the whiskey was sold bulk to blenders. Blenders held Highland Park in such high regard, the idea of a single malt took hold. One particularly notable quote comes from 1914 and is attributed to Alexander Walker, grandson of Johnny Walker, who said, Highland Park is the only whiskey worth drinking, and the Johnny Walker is only fit for selling to diluted Sassanacs, a derogatory Scottish term of a British person. It would be 1979 before Highland Park was first available as an official bottled release from the distillery itself, launching the brand with a Highland Park 12-year-old single malt scotch. But they stayed rather static until 1997, when an 18-year-old bottling was released. In the first decade of the new millennium, Highland Park expanded their offerings and received some awards. In 2010, they released what was described as a landmark 50-year-old single malt. Yet, jump on the Highland Park website today or just look at the bottle, and the brand doesn't scream Old Scotland much at all. Rather, in 2012, the brand pivoted to a Viking brand persona, capitalizing on the long tradition of Norse settlers and or invaders traveling west from Scandinavia and landing in the Orkneys. And by this time, Highland Park had been acquired in 1999 by the Erdington Group, which owns other spirits brands, perhaps best known by their flagship, McAllen, though Highland Park isn't far behind. Anyway, at the beginning of the 20-teens, brand director Jason Craig said he picked up on the way the Swedish importer always referred to Highland Park as the westernmost distillery in Sweden. This was a play upon the fact that Highland Park, for probably as long as anyone can remember, has been referred to as the northernmost distillery in Scotland. Location, northernmost, isn't much of a selling point, but the idea of Viking heritage does give a brand something to build upon. The first articulation of this came in 2012 with the release of a Valhalla collection. This Magnus bottling was released in 2017, so it hasn't been available for many years. It carries no age statement, but is far from a new make spirit. Highland Park does sell that though. I'm not sure why, but Magnus is made only for North America, and my apologies to my listeners outside the US or Canada, or perhaps Mexico. I'm not really sure if it's distributed there, 
But if you're out of market, you'll have to buy some online, pay hefty shipping costs to get a bottle, or come visit. Rather than a limited edition, Magnus appears to be a standing expression in the Highland Park range for North America. Magnus is also award-winning, picking up a gold in 2018 at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, then a couple of silvers the following year. Now on to how it's made. Magnus, like all Highland Park whiskey, is a single malt. Single malt simply means all of the whiskey comes from the same distillery. It is a blend of a number of individual barrels, so should not be confused with single barrel, a bottling method and term used mostly in American bourbon whiskey for bottlings from one specific barrel only. Highland Park is also one of the most traditional Scotch distilleries and one of the oldest. They're now one of only a handful that still do their own hand malting of barley with their own peat. Floor malting is a process by which the barley is malted. And as I've explained in episode 26 on Abelauer 12, malting is where germinated barley is dried over a heat source, traditionally peat, thereby killing the plant that has begun converting starch to sugar in preparation for rapid growth. Malting halts the process, locking in a ready supply of sugar for fermentation. Most distillers now have their barley malted off-site in an automated process, but not Highland Park. 20% of their malted barley they hand-turn with wooden shovels as it's heated with burned peat from below. And the peat? That's a key part of the Highland Park flavor. Peat is often synonymous with scotch whiskey, imparting a smoky, campfire flavor to the finished spirit, but not all scotch is peated, and none other than Highland Park are peated using the special peat sourced from the Hobbister Moor that's located a few miles from the distillery. The moor is controlled by the distillery, and peat management is a topic the industry as a whole is working to preserve. Peat, if you don't know, is the partially decomposed vegetable matter that has accumulated in a bog over thousands of years. It's sometimes referred to as peat moss, and indeed may be comprised in part of some moss, but think of peat more in terms of pre-coal. It's organic matter that didn't rot entirely, and probably with tens of thousands more years and the right conditions, would likely end up as coal. Highland Park's peat is special. It's hand harvested from the moor, being cut into thin blocks several inches thick. These dried blocks are used as fuel for the drying fires in the malting process. Peat has been used as a fuel source for nearly as long as anyone can remember. And honestly, it makes me think of an American cowboy practice of burning old dried cow pies, dung, as a fuel source for a fire. Peat works much the same, but whiskey makers learned long ago that the smoke from peat imparts a heavy dose of flavor to the spirit, and a cow pie would likely lend the wrong sort of flavors. But I digress. The Hobbister Moor peat is said to be denser and slower burning, and heather rich. Heather is a low-growing flowering plant that's abundant on a moor, and the amount of heather in the Highland Park peat also imparts a notable flavor to the final whiskey. The water is also local. Very local, in fact, it was one of the reasons the distillery was sited where it is. It's drawn from a spring on a hill half a mile from the distillery and held in a reservoir prior to being piped into the distillery. Some of the peatiness of the whiskey is also attributed to this water. But the reason these flavors make it through from fermentation into the final spirit and are not entirely lost in the purification process that is distillation 
comes down to the stills. Highland Park has four copper pot stills, two wash, and two spirit stills. These names let you know that the whiskey is twice distilled. The first is through the wash still, and the second through the spirit still. Wash is a name given to the finished fermentation. For Highland Park, fermentation is where the barley has been mixed with water and yeast and allowed to ferment for a little over two days and as much as four days, at which point the yeast has basically converted the available sugars to ethanol and died as a result of lack of food and rising concentration of alcohol. The wash is a strong, crude beer. And the stills that Highland Park use are old. None are younger than 100 years. Even after the second distillation, the resulting new make spirit, which is clear, is 70% ABV or 140 proof. That means there's 30% not alcohol in it. The new spirit is then matured in oak on site in one of the 23 warehouses. For Magnus, the whiskey is predominantly matured in seasoned sherry American oak casks. And seasoned is an interesting term, I think. Highland Park doesn't hide this detail, but essentially what it means is the distillery is getting used American bourbon barrels shipped over to Scotland, broken down as staves for more compact shipping. Then a cooperage in the UK has rebuilt them into slightly larger casks. They then dose the previously charred bourbon-infused casks with Spanish sherry to add flavor to the wood. They essentially fill the barrel with sherry for a period of time. This ends up flavoring the whiskey, but rather than being viewed as adulteration or blending sherry with the whiskey to flavor it, if it's been soaked up by the wood, it just lends flavor. Process is important, and spirits brands of all stripes have really been leaning into types of wood and variety of used casks to create special expressions. Just two episodes back for St. Remy Brandy, I mentioned this as part of that brand's special releases. And mentioning brandy seems fitting because most of the sherry used to season the Highland Park casks is not destined to be consumed as sherry, but is distilled into brandy for ultimate consumption. Sherry, it seems, has become a common flavoring for the whiskey business more than a fortified wine. There are wineries these days that are more in the sherry cask making business than the sherry business. The cask has more value than the wine. There are some interesting players exploring this as well, but that's a topic for another day. Highland Park makes no bones about the fact that the American oak casks that held sherry for a bit are part of what gives Magnus its flavor. Saying on their website that these flavors impart during the whiskey maturation process are bold, fruiting, and intense. With no age statement, the whiskey could be fairly young, but age is relative and not necessarily an indication of quality. The casks will be selected and blended prior to bottling. The whiskey will also be blended with some distilled water to bring it to bottling proof. When it's bottled, case packed, and shipped to North America for lucky consumers like me to enjoy. So on to cocktails and consumption. You drink Highland Park Magnus Neat. Perhaps a few drops of water to open it up a bit. But honestly, I guess if you're paying for it, drink it as you like. Pour it over ice, mix it in a cocktail. I don't care. Nobody's going to tell on you. There's a recommended way to enjoy scotch whiskey in general, but then it's up to you how you enjoy the spirits. Give it a go neat first, though. So in summary, what do I think of Highland Park Magnus? I enjoy it. 
I'm not a super peat fan. It's not a really heavily peated whiskey. I do have a hunch that the fact it's made for the U.S. market, it's sort of like an entry-level or beginner Highland Park expression. I have a feeling they want to march you up the value chain, get you to buy their more expensive versions, those with a 12 or 18-year age statement on it, or one of the seemingly dozens of special issues that they have. But Highland Park Magnus, for under 50 bucks, it's a solid single malt scotch whiskey from the northernmost whiskey distillery in Scotland. It's good. Give it a try. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you feel so compelled, please give me a review on one of the podcast platforms you listen to the show on. Show notes are on liquorinthecoreconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on your favorite podcast platform. The shows on social media, Facebook and Instagram are where I'm most active. If you have thoughts on this show or I'm totally incorrect on something, please do reach out, let me know. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>